Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. New to the show? Let me break it down for you, nice and simple. My name's Matt McLaughlin. I am the creator and host of most episodes. On the show, I bring on friends and interview some very interesting guests. Here to talk sports, music, entertainment, and we're not going to leave anything off the table. We're here to bruise egos. My generation of common is him just being on Microsoft commercials. No running back should ever be in an MVP consideration. Eat up, bud! Eat up! We ask hard-hitting questions. Goodfellas are the godfather. This is dangerous work down here. Better guitarist with the name Jimmy. Jimi Hendrix or Jimmy Page. Are aliens real, yes or no? And have incredible moments that will leave you wondering. What the hell's going on out here? Thank you all for tuning in and enjoy the show. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. I'm your host, as pretty much always, Matt McLaughlin. Thank you for tuning in. You could have tuned into anything else, and you decided to tune into my voice and the voice of my co-host, Timmy Gorman. Um, we're going to be Timmy's going to give his reaction to the Aaron Rodgers saga and uh, the draft a little bit, but that'll be at the end of the show. But we got a lot of a lot of wild sports news in the last week that we uh, haven't really uh, talked about yet. And if you haven't heard my reaction to the draft, check out our last episode. Uh, me and Noah broke down uh, some of the biggest trade moves and gave our reactions to the first round uh, because, quite frankly, as fans, really don't care about the second second through seventh. <laughs> That's not where I'm at as a fan. Um, but we'll, we'll just get into some of this other sports news, the first being – the fight is on. The fight of the century. Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul. The match that every boxing fan was asking for. The fight is scheduled for June 6th at Miami. Uh, the Miami Dolphin Stadium, Hard Rock uh, Cafe Stadium. It's a mouthful either way. But um, probably going to be 1,000 degrees on the canvas. So if you pay tickets to go to that fight, bring some water. Probably some buckets to pee in. I don't know how the fuck. Uh, people are going to survive ringside there. But anyway, Chad Johnson, yes, Chad Ochocinco, is going to be on the undercard. He's, he's He sounded pretty confident on his I Am Athlete podcast. So I'm interested to see if Chad Johnson can handle himself in the ring because I feel like he's one of those guys that's just like really wiry and doesn't really kind of fights awkwardly. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that. But, Timmy, what Who's was – was fighting? I don't Who's know. Chad that Johnson has not fighting? Yeah, they they haven't announced who he's fighting yet, but he just said like, outside of golf, I've excelled at everything I've done, so I'm just gonna do this and do my thing. Pretty much is what he said. Didn't he try soccer? Probably wasn't. Isn't he very good? Or that was you. That was you saying bolted did it. But I thought he oh, tried yeah. to play with like no. Didn't he try to play with like the Kansas City? Uh, I feel like I remember <laughs> sporting Kansas City. He definitely did. I. This is why we fact check things. Uh, pick, pick them. Uh, in 2019, March of 2019, signed a contract with semi semi pro professional soccer club Boca Raton FC. Hmm. So yeah, he's tried his hand at soccer. I think I think it was during the strike too in like 2000. What was that 12, 11? Yeah, 2011. Uh, when the NFL and was went on strike for the season. He was like training with FC Kansas city or sporting Kansas city yeah. in the off season. Yeah. I remember hearing those rumors, but um, 
What are your thoughts about this? Is this a fight that you've been waiting for as a boxing fan? And I say that completely sarcastically, of course. Uh, th- my thoughts are like it, it is. It's it just shows what a sad state the boxing's in now, right? Like when I was your age, Matt. Like every weekend, or like at least like once or twice a month, um, there was a huge match that we would order at school. We we, we you know we'd get like twenty of us together at someone's house. And either my house or my buddy James's, and we would, you know, all throw in five to 10 bucks, you know, get the pay-per-view, get a bunch of cases of beer and some pizza. And that's how we would pregame the parties for that night. We would sit there and we'd watch. And and it was every, every, you know, once the one big fight happened, it was like, all right, cool. Let's transition to the next big fight. And, you know, this definitely is hurt by, there's a number of factors the, the, the biggest one is that UFC has kind of taken over that um, niche, like that that sporting niche of, you know. I was just about to say uh, the UFC has kind of become that where it's like, right. I, I want to see Nganu versus hopefully John Jones somewhere down the line. I want to see the big fights. McGregor is going to be coming back definitely at some point. And they um, know how to handle the social media aspect better, I think. Like Dana yes. White is such a better promoter now to – today's younger generation and that's why more kids are into it like but like you know growing up like UFC was big but like you only had like Chuck Liddell and Rampage Mm -hmm. like one of the biggest like mixed martial artists who wasn't even really a mixed martial artist was Kimbo Slice and that's just because he was just huge black dude that would go in the people's backyards and like have a legal like cock fights with each other like and like just beat the living <laughs> yeah. him and like some like juiced out boston cop would beat each other up for like 20 minutes and then would get uploaded to youtube and that's how like it got big um so it was like big but it was still growing and that's why a lot of kids my age it was still like people cared more about boxing you know whether it was the klitschko brothers or you know Canelo was on his way up. Floyd was fighting all the time back then. You had Ricky Hatton, who was one of my favorite guys. Um, Pacquiao was on the ascendancy then. You know, you had um, Roy Jones was at at the end of his career then. But you had a lot of these guys. uh, Joe Calzag, who was a good light heavyweight fighter. Um, You know, Bernard Hawkins. You had Shane Mosley, Antonio Margarita, Miguel Cotto. You know, Felix you had, Trinidad. You, it, it was all such these a guys. it was such a stacked roster, and obviously some of the names I do recognize: Roy Jones Jr., Ricky Hatton, some of those other guys. But for me, boxing was oh yeah, up from like the '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s a little bit, especially with Mike Tyson just soaring through, pretty much rocking everyone that stepped up to him. Um, Until Buster just, Douglas, yeah, <laughs> forty-two to one. Um, the ever since then, it's felt like the boxing, the sport of boxing has been so so dormant and just really it's been terrible. It's just been terrible, and now they've had to rely on catching up with the younger generation using social media, which is why these guys like Logan Paul, Jake Paul, these guys are getting big fights because boxing needs the star power. And like you said with the UFC, that's where the UFC is thriving. I want to see Conor McGregor wear a suit that says fuck you on it. I want to see Ronda <laughs> Rousey snap someone's arm in half. I want to see Francis Ngannou go from um, working in sand mines and 
trying to immigrate to this country nine, seven to nine times and turn that into probably the one of the greatest American dream stories and become the UFC heavyweight champion, all the while doing it in fucking style and being a Terminator and just being an absolute, like, a black Brock Lesnar. That's what he is to me. He is a machine even, that will snap you in half. And even, like, Israel Adesanya, like, he does it, like, he's fun, like, with the way he does exactly. it, like, spin it on his head after he obliterates someone. <laughs> And then, you know, and then you have the other guys who weren't even, like, the main stars who were, like, good fighters, but not even necessarily sometimes contending. And that's the thing, like, in an undercard for boxing, it's usually, like, a kid or kids that are, like, not yet there. It's not so you get to the second or, like, the the, le- the second to last or, like, last fight before mm-hmm. the, 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 main, the main card that it's somebody of notice and usually – you don't ever get like dual headliners and that's what they're gonna they really need to start doing and people always want to say oh the death in boxing came when the heavyweight division died and you know it kind of died after like in the mid-2000s because after like lennox lewis and all those guys retired all that was left was the klitschko brothers and then they spent the better part of 13 years literally just mowing down every fake Mm -hmm. ass contender that came you know, whether, you know, whether it was Vitaly or whether it was Vladimir, like it was just, you know, one or the other, and it it didn't matter. And they held all the belts between the two of them. They're never going to fight each other because A, they're brothers, B, they're brothers that actually love each other and C, (laughs) the one promise they made to their mother before all this happened was that she, she said, like she, they told her, like, we will never do that like to, to disrespect our family name so you knew it was never going to happen and then you know Vitaly uh, one of them retires like the be- the belts go and get vacated and he's now a, a huge politician in the Ukraine mm-hmm. and then you know Vlad and then the other one you know, eventually he got so old, you know, you can, you hold bells for 12 years. Like, I don't care how you go out. It doesn't matter. You're an all time great. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, they have Tyson Fury now and they have Anthony Joshua and that Andy, Andy Ruiz, when he won that fight two years ago, that was awesome. Cause that was, yes. that's what boxing needed. They, that for once, everyone was talking about boxing for, for like a week or two again. Yeah. And that was cool. But like, Andy Ruiz fought for the first time in like a year over the weekend. He won a boring, like he outpointed uh, him. Decision. He tried to take yeah. like the Floyd Mayweather approach. And he, he's an overweight heavyweight who people want to see just knock somebody out. He's, he's like the new butter. He's like the Mexican butter bean and he outpointed someone. And that's the thing. Like, Floyd like wanted to be Muhammad Ali so bad but the difference is that like while he had the talk and the flash and all that stuff and even if you hated him it was musty tv like when HBO would do this 24 7 those were great I loved everyone loved those things that was the original like sports reality show following around the fighters for months before their camps and shit but yeah why no one wants to watch a Floyd Mayweather fight yeah. so even if he was fighting someone like Look at it. Like when he fought uh, Conor McGregor, everyone's like, all right, cool. Like he's, he can't just dance around the ring because McGregor's going to want to try and take his head off and he might not be technically sound, but will probably be able to connect enough if he yeah. follows him 
that was the stupidest fight in the world. I'm so glad I didn't <laughs> waste my money and that we were at a club watching it for somebody's bachelor party. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I hate Floyd Mayweather for the fights. The only entertaining fights, he's only had two entertaining fights in his, in his career. And it's because of the people he fought. When he fought the late, great Arturo Gotti, he had no choice because he wasn't a star yet. And you don't get into, you never got into a ring with Arturo Gotti. And didn't have it. You didn't have a choice. You better come throwing hands, or mm-hmm. you're gonna die in that ring. And so he knew that he had to go and throw hands. And that's one of the only two times. The other time was Ricky Hatton because it was the same thing. He knew that Ricky had the acumen to just chase him around. He knew that Ricky couldn't beat him, but he knew he was gonna have to knock Ricky out, and he yeah. did. Every every other fight since then is boring. So. This is straight in long summation store. It sucks because I love boxing. I love when it's good. I love when you have big stars, but they don't have anyone. No one filled the vacuum when Mayweather left. This is a cash grab. And despite my displeasure with Floyd Mayweather, I hate fucking Logan Paul even more. I cannot. (laughs) He is Logan Paul is literally the definition of why I hate Gen Z so much. And the, the, the YouTube stars and the social media, like, what has he done to be anything? Why do people care about the shit that he does? He's a he's an ass clown. Because people like the sideshow. Exactly. It's he's, he's an ass clown. That's why. And so I actually hope that Floyd knocks him unconscious and he gets but, sent to the hospital. I honestly do. Okay. I mean, I just I I am annoyed. I am annoyed with um the YouTube stars because not all YouTube stars, obviously, but right. I just, Some I do, I do, good, I, but... I, I, you get annoyed with the fucking, with the guys that talk the most shit because you're like, dude, what have you done? And it's very easy to make the assumption like, hey, you're a fucking YouTube star. Like, chill the fuck out. Like, you're not the, like, don't. They're losers. It... <laughs> I'm not going to say they're losers. They're not losers in my opinion because they're getting a bag. Both right. of them. But they're scumbags, and on top of it, apparently they're rapists. Why is no one talking about that? What? Wait, hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. The one YouTube star is is, came out right before Logan Paul fought whoever it was when he last fought, like like a month ago, and said that he forced her to like have oral sex with him. Huh? I do not remember. Yeah, it was like, but that's the thing. It got like swept under the rug, and when. Pete Davidson, this is how much of a thing it is, is that Pete Davidson is doing the sideline reporting for these fights. Okay. He oh. went and interviewed, he went and inter- he did the interviews for the fighters, and he straight up just called Logan Paul out on it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember because I remember Pete Davidson is, getting I'm sorry, on. what's the girl's name? Because I I don't I, it's disrespectful for me not to know her name because she clearly is, you know, something ha- ha- must have happened to this girl not must have probably did happen and you know i feel like she's no Um, no one is respecting it yeah so on april 9th uh 2021 uh this is according to the berkeley beacon uh tiktoker justine paradise uploaded a video on youtube titled uh trigger warning jake paul sexually assaulted me uh details meeting paul through mutual friends uh claims she and paul texted through the whole month of july 2019 uh, until Paul allegedly sexually assaulted her at his house, uh, goes into extreme detail in the video, uh, providing screenshots. Um, 
She admits that she was reluctant to actually say Paul's name, but said she was told through her TikTok comments that NDAs do not cover assaults. Um, so yeah, this is, there is, okay. So there is a case. Yeah. I just, I was not aware of that. I remember, I now remember because I remember Pete Davidson, I think it was flagrant two brought it up how Davidson was like trying to, Oh, like he grilled said, him. Yeah. Grill him on it. And they told him like, yo, that, that you can't talk about that. Um, but the Pete Davidson's like, I don't give a shit. Screw you. And I don't blame him. Like, yeah. So, so on top of it, People praise this kid when he he now obviously until it's proven nothing but yeah as someone who knows multiple girls who have gone through something of that nature I when you do something like that I tend to believe that that girl has proof you know and I, regardless I don't want to talk about something that could land us us in hot water so how come he's allowed to get a multi another multi million dollar fight. When he should be being investigated for rape or yeah. sexual assault. Why is yeah. someone paying him to, to increase his celebrity status even more? Because they know he's just dollar signs. I'm not saying it's right, but that's right. That, but he's, that's just, he's just money signs. That's all they're hearing is just money signs. And he knows, he knows the bigger villain that he creates, the larger the presence is, the most money he's going to get. That's why he's picking fights with fucking Daniel Cormier. Who else would be that stupid to do that? Otherwise, a guy who is knows that he's going to get bank if he generates the views, he generates the content, he gets the clicks. He knows that that'll just help him grow. And I'm not saying, again, it's not right, in my opinion, but, you know, that's just the way it works. He's just, he's just figuring out a way to profit off of what the human condition loves, which is conflict. And, and, that's, that's, and that's an issue, not just specifically with this country, though that we're willing to idolize somebody that's that much of a fucking piece of shit. I don't even think it's so much idolizing though, because I think it's, I think it's half and half. Like it's not, it's either. Yeah. I love this guy because I've seen him. Some people may say I'm not, a, might not be aware of the sexual assault allegations, but may have seen like his content through like when he was training boxing and coming up through and trying to break through that side is saying I've seen the inv I've invested in him. I've invested in this character and this fighter succeeding down the line. Why I don't want to be, I don't want to admit I'm wrong. So I'm just going to ride or die with him. And then you have the other side. That's like, I just want to see him get his ass kicked because he deserves it. I know so many college and high school dudes that were exactly like him that don't shut the fuck up and should have gotten their ass kicked and just seem like, the little uh, daddy's little boy and everything like that. So he knows that he's appealing to two different audiences for two different reasons. And they're still paying the same amount of money. And he's just going to did this. Didn't the cops raid his house too? I just remembered that part. Yeah. Yeah. They raided his house. <laughs> Why is he getting money? That I Anyway, because I, it's a, that's, it's a, that's the yeah. problem with this country right now. That's one of the main problems in this country. I was going to say, there's a lot like more that. problems than that. Oh yes. But there's a lot more like inherent racism, but I, it blows my mind, Matt. It blows my mind. It blows my mind too. I just, I, will I probably watch this fight? Yes. Because for my, I'm on the, uh, the, 
the side that's like, I want to see, his, see him get his ass kicked. And I hope Floyd does that, but I think Floyd's just going to, he's not going to, he's, he's just going he's, he's to stretch ring. it out. Exactly. Um, and more boxing he's not news. He's going to show up in shape. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Um, and other boxing news, this is much more serious. Uh, Felix Verdejo, uh, Puerto Rican boxer, uh, was charged with kidnapping and killing uh, Keisha. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I sincerely apologize if I didn't. Uh, Rodriguez, uh, who was his pregnant girlfriend at the time, uh, Rodriguez's body was found in a Puerto Rican lagoon on Saturday, and it was confirmed on Sunday uh, via dental records, according to uh, Jason Owens of Yahoo Sports. Now, it's a very gruesome crime, uh, according uh, to the Associated Press. He was officially charged with carjacking and kidnapping, resulting in death and intentionally killing an unborn child. Um, according to uh, Jason Owens's article on Yahoo Sports, uh, there is a federal complaint. It was filed to the FBI uh, by an unnamed caller. He was claiming to, he or she was uh, claiming to be an accomplice to the crime, but wanted to cooperate and suddenly flip the switch. Uh, according to the complaint, Verdejo abducted Rodriguez, punched her in the face, and injected her via syringe with a substance bought at a quote uh, allegedly a public housing complex. Uh, Verdejo then tied her hands and feet with heavy wire and then tied her to a heavy block and threw her over a bridge uh, into a lagoon at 8.30 a.m. on Thursday. Uh, officials uh, say that uh, they found at least one expanded shell casing on near on the bridge. So at least one shot was fired, could have been multiple. Uh, and at this point, Verdeo turned himself into San Juan uh, authorities late Saturday night. Uh, it was hours after the body was recovered. And this may seem like and me just explaining the case itself. This may seem like what the fuck this guy um is a scumbag and he is for that he is dirt he is this he deserves to be treated like an animal but this is big sports news and i wanted to cover this because of this is a fall from grace story he was 27 and 2 uh record with 17 knockouts he was espn's 2014 prospect of the year as an amateur he was 106 and 17 and he signed with top ranked boxing after advancing to the quarterfinals uh, of the 2012 olympics while uh, representing Puerto Rico. And this was a guy that was stamped to be the next Puerto Rican golden boy and really step up and be the next great champion uh, in the sport of boxing from Puerto Rico. And this he is a title just... for a while too, didn't he? He, he, had, he made like six title offenses, I think. Did he? I didn't find any, but I could be completely wrong on that. But yeah, it was like, it was like three or four, like two or three years ago, he, he won the light, whatever did it, what was he? Like, uh, light, like, was he like a lightweight? Yeah. I think he was uh, a lightweight. Flyweight. He won, he won a title and he defended it like five or six times, lost it. And then his last fight was him trying to reclaim the vacant title. And he lost, that was his last fight. He lost that in 2020. And this was just, I, I nearly vomited at my desk reading this. It was, if you are the a type of being, human being that is willing to do that to someone who has a child on the way. Let alone your child. Yeah, and he already has a wife and girlfriend. And no matter, no matter if you are in a situation where you're cheating on your spouse or partner, which is 
in my opinion, very terrible, but some, some people will argue, you know, it depends on the situation. That's fine. Either way, either way. If you're having a relationship, it's never, with, I can't either say it's way, never right, just, but yeah, just, just take it out. In this case, when he is having another relationship with someone else, even though Rodriguez was um, pregnant, even if you didn't want your wife hearing that news, that does not mean I do not get into philosophical debates on this podcast. I do not. I Listen, there's enough shit going on in the world. You don't need to hear that on this show. And I'm I'm in college. I'm not nearly equipped with life to speak on certain subject matters. But to me, this dude deserves to be locked up in a cage, tortured for the rest of his life, or just rot, whichever comes first. I hope he gets the shit kicked out of him in prison. I hope he goes to hell for everything that he's done because that is – something that you cannot take away that's something you cannot fix i should say that you cannot fix and you should not take away because now her family has to deal with that the rest of their lives and it's just it's terrible it's fucking terrible it's a disgrace and i fucking hate it as a man and this is why women are fucking terrified like this is just why if i had a daughter and I knew all this shit was happening. I'd, I'd take a fucking baseball bat, pull up to his house, and swing for the goddamn fences. There's just no other way out. Like, it's just disgrace. It's a disgrace. It's fucking despicable. I hate it with a passion. And th- there's no excuse. There's no excuse. He's a, he's a scum of the earth and deserves to be locked up for the rest of his life. But that's yeah. I mean, I I know it's it's true. And like my first thought was like giving the death penalty, but I'm like no, because that's the easy way out. Him him only serving like three years and then dying. Um, unfortunately, you know, because he's a Puerto Rican jail, and I would assume that they're probably very dangerous. Any kind of jail is dangerous, but any in Central America, I'm going to assume has a higher threat level than here in the States. Yeah. Um, and so he'll probably get put in solitary because if not, <laughs> I don't think he'd make it through a day there, let alone, you know, a prison sentence, a full term prison sentence. But Better yeah, like you said, like you said, it's, it's, he's a scumbag and how you can take another person's life, let alone someone that you at some point, probably loved enough or Mm -hmm. had some sort of feelings for we're going to have a child with this person so you not only killed them but then killed your own unborn child so their family has to go through the grief of losing their daughter but also losing a potential grandchild or Mm -hmm. niece or nephew you know or cousin and it's just like you know the sad thing the, the, the super sad thing is that the only reason we know about this is because he was a star. Yeah. Exactly. He was a boxing star, but it, the sad, what, 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 it's shit like this that goes on every day. And you're right. It's like, you don't going to be a dad any day now. And people are always like, Oh, you're so, you're going to be so scared if it comes out a girl. And it's like, no, I have, I'm not, I have no, I'm going to love the kid no matter what. But what I am going to be scared about that is it, if it, it is a girl later in life, like, I know that I have my own moral code. I know that I would never touch a woman like that. Like, and people that have like, absolutely not. Like, you know, I've beaten up cousins, ex-boyfriends 
for hitting my cousins. You know, like I've beaten uh, people for an inch in their life for sexually assaulting them, like an ex-girlfriend. Like I, I, it's shit like that that I don't stand for. But how can I know that if I have a daughter, she's making the right choice and that it's a guy that won't hit her or even a girl? Because there's there's a lot of relationships with women that are that are gay together where one of them is, is super abusive to the other. I've seen it for a fan. Mm. and it's just like that's the problem is that it's just not just the fact that this guy was a boxing star and did it it's just that he's a person and did it in general and it's mm. just every day you see this shit and it's just like what motivates someone to do that to to yeah. take somebody who's pregnant with your child do everything he did to her physically beat her then wrap her up hog tie her continue to beat her inject her with some form of drug probably you know some drug that knocked her out or got her doped up or something throw her over a bridge so she to, to drown and then while she's most likely going to drown anyway decide to pull out a you know a pistol and just start firing bullets into the water it's it, it's it leaves and me speechless it here's the thing tim when you're reading that report it says at 806 in the morning he threw her over a bridge into a lagoon. How did no one see and or hear anything? That's a very good question. Where where were they? How secluded was this spot that no I one mean, saw him? It must, carry it must have been a, very, a body. It, it must have been very secluded because they she was missing for two days prior to them discovering the body. And how did they not go looking to him right away? How was someone not immediately like? Yo, you need to go look at Felix because that dude, I don't trust him. Like, but that, like that, was, said, that was the thing was that objectively speaking, I was I was cross-referencing articles because this is these are always sticky situations. Right. right. And there were people close to him that said that were just like flabbergasted because the impression that he gave off was that he would never do something like that. And there are people but that's always and how it, it is. And yeah, but I don't it's I think the most important thing with these type of situations was the authorities were simply trying to locate her first with the hopes that she was still alive. And then once they do discover the body, then clearly they were looking to him because he turned himself in within hours of them finding it her. So that's it. Either way, it's a terrible fucking it's it's terrible. He deserved to fucking die. He just deserves to die. For- he deserves, like you said, he deserves to rot for the rest of his life. And 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 you know, yeah. If every so often he gets a shit kicked out of him by the prison guards or an inmate, I'm all for it. If he gets if he gets handcuffed to a bed and is made to you know be beaten beaten within you know beaten to a pulp every every couple of weeks, you know, while he serves out the rest of his life. But then again. Is, I some people could argue an eye for an eye isn't the proper justice, but I, like you said, it's terrible. You feel for that lady's family and anybody mm-hmm. who's suffered a similar fate. And um, not to like bring like try to make light of the situation, but there's a comedian Christopher Titus who does a joke about that where you know they're how you're saying the people are like, oh my god, Felix would never do that. He goes, if you ever read these people that go in these like mass suicide to do terrible things, their neighbors are always like, he was such an angel. I don't know why he would do that. He goes, so if you're living next door to someone that's like that, take them out, man. You're the ones that are in trouble. <laughs> so like I said, like not, you know, yeah. but like, it's just like, 
more often than not, that's what you hear. It's like, oh, I would never expect him to do that. And it's just like, yeah, because you're too busy watching the kid that's lighting the, the Barbie dolls on fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. not paying attention to the sneaky one who who who's meanwhile has a collection of bodies in his basement. So it's terrible. Yeah, look. you hate to see it anyway, whether it's a celebrity or an athlete or not. And you know, you just you feel for her family and everyone that is suffering because this guy decided that he was going to play God and that instead of just being like, you know what, I'll pay you some child support. No, because of that, he he'd rather kill her. And now spend the rest of his life in jail. And we, again, to be, to restate, we both hope that obviously justice is delivered through the right procedures. And, you know, this is just us emotionally talking about it. Uh, But let's move on to some more positive news. Also real quick, also, you know, on the side of one more person, his wife. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, how do you, you can't live with that. Unless she was involved, unless she was involved. But I, it doesn't seem Would, like she was. Yeah, nothing has come out involving her. And if so I'm it, if it, I'm if I'm the wife, her, I'm taking I'm taking our daughter right. and leaving. It's not just the victim; it's his own family that he is now because his parents and his family members can't walk around. Because mm-hmm. what happens if one of her family members is just like, you know what? Screw him! I'm going to go kill his cousin who had nothing to do with this. Yeah, exactly, and it leads to a whole different type of situation. It's just sad. It is sad, but uh. Again, hopefully the the proper uh, punishment is administered. Uh, but let's move on to some more hap- quote unquote happier news. Uh, Vanessa Bryant, the um, Kobe Bryant's uh, wife, officially launched the Mamacita line on Gianna Bryant's birthday, uh, May first. Uh, we are recording this on May third. Officially launched this. This speculation has been uh, rampant for months since. Um, uh, Vanessa Bryant and the Kobe Bryant estate declined to renew the uh, Kobe's contract with Nike. And, you know, there are rumors uh, going around that Kobe was himself was considering leaving Nike when his contract did expire and starting up his own line. Um, and to me, this was just really heartwarming to keep uh, Gianna's name alive and keep that legacy in a positive way. And, as a man that loves pink, I've worn pink shorts. I was I was gonna get the whole outfit if I could afford it, <laughs> but it was just really heartwarming. And How I really expensive loved. is it? It's very. It's probably very expensive. I didn't even okay. look. I looked and I or I should say I did look. Um, I didn't look at the prices because it was sold out by then. I think like the the whole outfit was like the matching joggers and sweatshirt was like two hundred dollars. And I was like, you know, is it male and female? I think so because I saw the nets. Kyrie gifted uh, Nets teammates with some of the gear. So I think it is male and female. Um, so I, it was really heartwarming news. I don't know if you um, if you had what your reaction was, but um, I just really thought it was great. I always love seeing stuff with Kobe and Gianna. Again, it's sad that they're gone, but I'm, I'm just glad that at least from a public perspective, Vanessa is staying positive and trying to focus more on the positive things to keep their legacy alive. But what, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, that's definitely the, 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 the main takeaway is you want to make sure that, that they're, they're not forgotten both Kobe and Gianna. Um, because like, look at it, man, like there's a, this is kind of like a power a side track, but it's like, think about like how like kids today have no idea how great Michael Jordan was. And yeah. the dude's still alive, and it's cl- it took a documentary 
from ESPN last year for people to be like, oh, shit, I guess Jordan is as good as LeBron. Yeah, no duh. So, like, if he's alive, you know, I think it's very important that, you know, you remember everything that, like, Kobe was to basketball and that, like, what his daughter could have been to the women's game. Um, because it's, it's very easy to just move on and forget that, you know, you take your time warning and the NBA will constantly do things and the Lakers will constantly do things, but it's good that she is out there and she, Vanessa is out there trying to do everything she can to like, you know, keep his um, legacy going because it's very easy. I mean, look at like somebody like Roberto Clemente. He doesn't get talked about nearly enough when you talk about the greatest baseball players ever. The mm-hmm. dude died on a charity mission. He was flying to give goods to food and clothing to needy people in Central America and yeah. died. He should He's a fucking martyr. There should be statues of him everywhere in Pittsburgh. But I feel like, you know, unless you're a baseball, you know, nerd, you don't really, no one really knows about him. No, it's you only- know. It's only like there are very, very, very few players that very few athletes can stamp their names into the public perception and public persona for on a on a on like a yeah the sands of time exactly like Babe Ruth is up there, Muhammad Ali is up there. Um, in my opinion, Michael Jordan is up there, but like you said, with the rise in social media you have athletes like lebron and um sometimes like not to put them on a same same pedestal from a um, resume perspective but just popularity of players nikola Jokic is up there luka Doncic is up there just popularity with the accessibility to highlights and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that it's easy to forget to go off of recent memory but Kobe was one of those athletes. I he's he transcended basketball in a way that very very not I don't think any other athlete could because Kobe was a guy that wasn't the strongest, wasn't the fastest, wasn't the most the quickest. Like well liked at times. He wasn't the most exactly, he wasn't um the most uh liked at whether really through all levels of basketball, but he was so competitive and he was a guy that represented taking negatives, taking challenges and truly, truly surpassing expectations and just believing in yourself, which is a positive message that I think everyone should take with them every single day. You should be able to go with a mindset of I'm going to do this better today than I am, than I was yesterday. I'm trying to take this podcast in a direction where I'm trying to go in every episode better. How can I make this episode better? And whether that's me not necessarily sounding like a robot sometimes, because I know I sound like that on the podcast, but I just, I just truly admire Kobe. And I hope that this type of stuff, the Mama Cita line can really help spread the message because especially in sneakers, I'm losing the fucking eight-year-olds who have programmed computers to buy <laughs> 3,000 pairs of Kobe's so that they can flip them for triple the price. And I agree with Vanessa when she said, like, I think she said it was after the Grinches might have restocked. She said, we want to make, she basically said, I'm paraphrasing, we want to make Kobe's more accessible. And Nike just isn't doing that. 
which is why I think it's great to start an online because you can control the supply and demand. You can control the revenue. You can, you can really focus on where the expenses and the costs and the profits are going. And overall, really love it. Long-winded. But if you, do, if you have not watched the uh, Nike commercial better, just watch that and tell me you don't want to run through a brick wall, then you don't have a heart. I don't know what else to say. Like, I just, I love that commercial. Watch it every day. And again, another heartwarming story and just really enjoy uh, seeing whatever like Kobe and Gianna news and it's positive come out. Um, anything no, else? No, I agree. You're, no, yeah, you're right. And I agree. And that's on top of legacy that you hit it there at the end with the revenue is that the one thing I would like to see is that she, I, I hope that part of that legacy is that she does make it more accessible to, for people who worship Kobe that come for lower income houses. Exactly. So that like, like she does like not all of them, but maybe a couple of lines like Stefan Marbury did where it's more acceptable to people that can only afford to spend 40 bucks on a pair of basketball shoes mm-hmm. so they can go and maybe they can fulfill the dream that they maybe wouldn't have been able to because they didn't have a high quality shoe and people can be like, uh, you know, like, Oh, getting shoes is going to stop somebody like from becoming like, yeah, there could be, there could be, there's so many kids out there that might not have that ability. Whereas, you know, and this could be something that they can look into to help, you know, you know, poor, you know, inner city kids um, get that ability. And maybe, she starts a line of camps or something to remember yeah. to honor Kobe's name. Yeah. Anything. There, there's so many avenues you could go down. And now that they're not hamstrung by Nike's, you know, sponsorship, I'm not saying Nike's bad in any way. I'm just saying that they would definitely control a lot of the aspects or, of it. In order to maximize the amount of people that are going to spend the money on those shoes. Exactly. And anything. Now she can go out there and take her vision and the way she wants to so that people do, you know, to honor, like we keep saying, legacy, honor the legacy of Kobe and Gianna, you know, and for years to come. Exactly. Um, so soccer just ends up on the podcast. I, I don't know how, but it does. Well, I, I should say I do know how because soccer fans are wild. That's how. Uh, Manchester United fans, I have never, I respect you all. I respect you all soccer fans in Europe across the pond. They, the Manchester United fans, before the biggest match every year, it seems like, for the Premier League, Manchester United versus Liverpool. That is one of the the hot ticket matches. It's one of the top five. It's one of the top five ties of the year. Exactly. Whether, the, no, regardless of table. Exactly. The, the, regardless of the table and where they sit. It's, it's one of the top five ma- ties every year. If I can equivalent for like baseball fans or North American fans, it's like Red Sox versus Yankees. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's like Duke, North Carolina. Yeah. So Manchester United fans ahead of this match with Liverpool, their biggest rival, uh, um, just over the weekend, they storm Old Trafford, get into the stadium, and then eventually storm the pitch. And why? This is all in protest of the Glazer ownership, the Glazer brothers, who also own the Super Bowl winners from this past year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they've owned them since 1995. So needless to say, they ain't short on cash. They ain't really short on that, which is why the Manchester United fans uh, did this protest. It's been brewing for years, really, really tipped over with the uh, failed Super League attempt 
And um, so now fans are just fucking nuts. I mean, now they're just like throwing flares into the stadium. They're just absolutely crazy. And I respect it. Fuck it. Revolution. It's the American way. We have it in our blood. Um, and yeah, so Timmy, I'll toss it over to you for a little bit here, just to, as an, as a pure, as a more literate soccer fan compared to myself, uh, what were your thoughts on this protest? So my comparison, I don't want like whoever's listening to this podcast, take this the wrong way. Like in what I'm going to use the comparison. So I understand the protest. As you said, this is something that has been brewing for a while. Not just at Man U, but at Arsenal, at Liverpool to a degree, although the title last year helped quell that with their heat for Henry uh, or Fenway Motors or Fenway Sports Group. Um, a lot of these clubs and the Super League, the failed Super League, you know, coup was literally just a final, you know, it was the final grenade. Mm-hmm. It's what finally got fans up and was like, you know what, fuck this. And as I explained a couple episodes ago, especially in Germany, not so much in England, but to a degree, these clubs are all versions of the Green Bay Packers. It's the easiest way I can equivalent yeah. this to, to do an American sports team. They, these fans, these clubs were started by these fans, these blue-collar, hardworking fans who, um, you know, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, at the start of the Industrial Revolution, would go and work these long hours, and on the weekend just wanted something mm-hmm. to, like, relax, to, to get together and, you know, sport. And they, they started these clubs, and, you know, you'd have Liverpool and you have Everton, and there's so much history and tradition that goes into it. We, we as Americans, we want to sit here and be like, oh, the Yankees and the Reds, that – Yes, that's what the rivalry is, but the tradition and history that goes along with this matchup. Yeah, it, the Red Sox and Yankees couldn't fuck. They they on their wildest dreams, they would have a hard on, wishing <laughs> that it was close to the traditions of Liverpool and Man United. Yeah, and it, so it's like you said, it's been brewing. It's it's been simmering for years. Um, with Man United, they literally have won. They've won the most Premier League titles of all time. Liverpool set or first division titles of all time. They've also won the most Premier League titles of all time. Um, the Lord. difference for people out there is that the Premier League didn't really didn't exist until the early '90s. Yeah, when the big clubs, kind of like the Super League, realized, hey, we can get a lot more money through television rights and sponsorship deals if we break away from the English FA. But the difference was just to... Right. Was that it wasn't there, just there, six teams. It, was it, wasn't, it wasn't a closed them. league, exactly. It wasn't right. a closed it, league. There was it, there was the right. chance of promotion and relegation, which kept which incentivized more competition. They stayed within the English FA. It was just... they It, it just restructured everything and yeah. how it went forward. So, that said, Man United has not won a title since 2013, the last year that Sir Alex Ferguson was there. It's been a very hard struggle since then. Um, oh, sorry, twenty, yeah, twenty thirteen. His last year was twenty fourteen. My pop. Oh no, I was right. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to think of, <laughs> in my head. I'm trying to think of the coach, the coaches they've had. I oh. forgot that David Moyes only lasted not even a year after succeeding him. So they haven't won a title. So they have the most titles in Premier League history. 
mm-hmm. and it's been almost 10 years now. Yeah. So like, think about that. Like as Eagles fans, like we were like, Oh my God, we finally got a title. It might be just as worse if you never experience if you or you're used to experience it every year or every other year, and mm. then you go almost a decade without it. The last piece of silverware they won was the Europa League in 2017, 18, uh, under Jose Mourinho, um, and that is essentially the saying that they won the NIT. Yeah, that's the easiest way to put it. Mm-hmm. So. Here's where I'm going to walk on eggshells for a bit. I understand the protest. I'm all for them, especially as a fan of a club who is owned by one of these American millionaires that is a fucking douchebag that I cannot stand that has more money than he knows what to do with and doesn't invest in the club, but then uses the club as stake to take out a $1 billion loan to finish his fucking football stadium in LA. That said, the protests have to be organized in a certain way and bombarding and breaking into your the stadium of the club you so loyally support and basically being hooligans and letting off flares and destroying shit and ripping chairs out and tearing up the pitch and causing one of the biggest matches of the year to be postponed. That is not how you get your point across. And this is in the where I'm going to say is this is the same as the protest that started last year in this country. Two different things. It is way more the social aspects of the protests in this country from last year has a way higher significance on life than than sport does. Do not, I am okay. not saying they have the same social significance. Not yes. at all. Yes. What I'm saying is those protests, whether it's Black Lives Matters or just protests for for equal equality for rights for LGBT, LGBTQ, any of that stuff. They started off with a, a, a good mind frame. People wanted to make change. Let's do a peaceful protest. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And then you had these dickheads that came in and co-opted this so they could put up pictures on their social media page and be like, oh, I protested the Jew because if you did it, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And they didn't actually care about what the protest got, exactly. what what the results of those protests brought. They yeah. cared more about looking like a social justice warrior. Mm-hmm. And they ruined it. And they're the idiots that were running up and down I-76 attacking innocent cars for no reason and saying that they were doing it for change. No, you're doing it because you're a fucking moron. You know? Like, yeah. and we all know these people and, uh, and this is not me saying that those protests were wrong. It's the people that took those protests and turned them violent for their own yeah. cause instead yeah. of the cause of the group mm-hmm. are wrong. And that's what these people at Man United did yesterday. They took what these protests would, what started at Chelsea when Chelsea fans did a very nonviolent protest, they marched down to their stadium Hand in hand, just singing soccer chants. Hey, we want this. Look, we want our club back. When Arsenal fans threw the banners over top of the stadium saying "Cronky out," when all the they all did it in a peaceful way. Well, that was all thrown to shit now because these some a bunch of Man U fans. Some of them might have been the ones doing peaceful protests, and finally just got so sick of it. Yeah. But these guys ruined what had started on a good level to talk about change, to talk about how. Things are like, you know, the, the, that money is 
is ruining this sport and not saving it. It's ruining mm-hmm. all sport. And in one single afternoon, that the effectiveness of those away. protests from weeks ago just got thrown out the window because a couple of douchebags wanted to light off flares and rip out stadium seats and burn shit down. Yeah. And this is the line that we as society are walking when it comes to politics, when it comes to, you know, social injustice, when it comes to sport, when it comes to life in general, that it's so hard to control the morons out there. And I just, I just fear that what happened yesterday is going to completely submarine the change that these fans were fighting to get after that super league, Mm. you know, announcement debacle. And, and because I said, we've seen it firsthand last year, what change was brought now because what started as peaceful protest, it all the people will think about now are the idiots that started lighting shit on fire and mm-hmm. looting and rioting. Like, like in Philly, a lot of people that aren't are, or aren't on that side aren't on the social, on the political left. The people that are on the political right or sit in the middle and lean one way or the other. When they look at those protests now, they don't look at it as a bunch of people trying to fight change. You know what they look at it as? People who were hypocrites that were said they wanted to fight change, then were breaking into footlockers and stealing hundred dollar pairs of Nikes. Yeah. No, yeah. And that's the problem. It's that la- and, it's when you're not exposed to that perspective, you don't you get used to just being exposed to one side, and that's there's no transparency now, Matt. Yeah. Right? There's no transparency yeah. to to outsiders. It is now all mixed into one, and you're all the same. And that's a bad way to look at it too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's the right way, but yeah. to outsiders now, though the peacefulness is gone, and it might have just fucked the whole agenda. So, and that's my fear. My one. I agree. That is a fear. Now that you talk about it, I didn't consider. But the one thing that this may actually lead to more change is that other Premier League clubs may say that could have been our stadium weeks ago. Oh, security is going to be. It's our in England. It's already through the roof, dude. They you were gonna, you were not going to be able to get into the the stadium with a, a program rolled up. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. But that's, but I I will say there's one possibility where the owners just say, "Fuck this!" That that could have happened to any of our our stadiums. We got to do something about this because if we do not, we are gonna get, we may get mauled. Like we may just get, no matter how much security we may have, th- this could be horrible. And that's where I think there's gonna be more change. Is that owners care so much about their bottom line that they may just say, fuck it, I'm going to sell my shares, pull out, and be done because I don't want to deal with this horse shit. Like, from an American I, I wish that was the case, but I, I honestly think, Matt, these guys are such greedy assholes. No, that's that fair. They, that's fair. They care, more about their, they care more about sticking it to the everyday man Yeah. than they do because they don't have – you, you think Stan Kroenke – has been to an Arsenal game in over a year. I can't tell you the last time I saw him in the stands. Yeah, he's probably pandemic or no pandemic or no pandemic. It's the casino. He just knows he's hitting jackpot. No, you know why? Because he sends he sent his son over here to run the board. Nice. And he says that's his way of showing that KSI, which is their sports uh, division, cares about Arsenal. Nice. 
Uh, but not to make this about Arsenal. It's about every soccer fan. That's what this, it, it's about the sport as a whole. And I wish, I wish that that would be the case. That, but I, I just hope that if anything, that they look at it and they say, "All right, well, that was a scary thing." And the reason it got to that point, even though it shouldn't have, yeah. the reason it got to that point is because we didn't listen to their them. The, the things that they've been bitching about for years and mm. there needs to be some sort of referendum now. on top of it all the other the other 14 premier league teams and they got they have an open uh investigation on them now there's a pro they're doing a legal probe on the other six teams yeah so they're going to be facing super they're probably going to face major penalties which we could see the premier league completely change in oh absolutely i wouldn't be surprised it would not surprise whenever. me i don't think it's gonna happen but it wouldn't surprise me if somehow at the start of next year all six of those teams get docked points that's the big thing in Not, in europe yeah, yeah. when you yeah. when you do something bad you don't it's not like you have to get tra- draft picks taken away from you or players get suspended or something like they will dock you points and make it harder for you to a win a championship and or b if you have a bad year like arsenal is possibly get relegated which is even worse mm-hmm. i i noticed that when i was watching um formula one drive to survive great fucking yes. show great yeah, really show. show i am all in on formula one now um when i watched that documentary and there was a i want to say uh, it was season three and um i think it was force india at the time was what they were called basically designed mercedes's car from the year before and put pink on it and um you know the other teams were arguing that's not a unique and completely independent design which against f1 rules etc etc blah 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 blah. no one really marketing and stuff probably Uh, probably but the biggest thing was from a competitive perspective this this car was just blowing everyone's doors off and just winning race after race after race and everyone's like how the fuck did this shitty team from india go from being average pretty pretty competitive from time to time to winning races outright qualifying pole position if not bottom top top three at the lowest like that and it was super super fishy which is why some of the teams protested and wanted an investigation. Investigation was open, blah, 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 blah. Again, no one really wants to hear me talk about this. But long story short, um, the team, I think the team may have gotten a fine and didn't get docked points, which was like the whole big thing was like the this punishment may have been too light. And it, that was the interview. And I was like, why the fuck are they not? Why are they complaining about points? Get that car fucking banned. Because but of the drivers, the drivers, champion, they win the, points. The, the team championships. Not only does the individual driver like Lewis Hamilton or Andretti, someone get it. Mm-hmm. But when you uh, in F1, the drivers get championships, too. But then there's also the, the team manufacturers. championships. Yeah, yeah. So like BMW or Red Bull Racing or um, Jet, not Jaguar. Ferrari, Renault. I think, is another team. Renault, Ferrari's Renault, another team. Renault's another team, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a very big thing. But, yes, thank you. That's a great – that's a very – that's a great correlation. That's the best way. Boom. Another way to look at it is if, if someone is actually that interested, go look up the Calcio – I'm going to pronounce this wrong. It's like the Calcicetto or Calci 
it's an Italian thing, uh, scandal from 2005, 2006. Uh, basically what it was, was um, the, a bunch of top clubs in Italy, Juventus, um, at the time Fiorentina, another, co- another club that is owned by an American, um, Mark, or Rocco Camiso. Um, it was Juventus, Fiorentina, maybe one or two of the Milan teams, Roma, a couple other people. Um, essentially there was a match fixing scandal and they were bribing refs to win games and um, it was figured out and Juventus, it was basically figured out that Juventus was the driving force. Oh, what a surprise. The guy that tried to break down the every major domestic league and start the European <laughs> Super League, Agnelli, did something else shady. Yeah, this wasn't the first time he got hand, caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Um, they got they got busted, and like Juventus got stripped of a title, and they they got demoted to Serie B for a year. Wow! And uh, Fiorentina was docked a bunch of points, and they were considered title contenders. And the following year, uh, they didn't uh, they got docked like so many points that they finished like ninth the next year. Um, and they never, they've never really recovered. They haven't been a contender for about 15 years now because of this. It's called, I, for, I forget how to pronounce it, but it's like C-A-L-C-I-O-E-T-T-A. Cal, Cal, Calcio Poli. That's it. That's it. How do you spell it? Uh, C, C-A-L-C-I-O-P-O-L-I. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. You look it up and. Yeah. That's essentially what I'm saying is could happen with these super league with, teams. Yeah. That they they the the club the other clubs might just get together and the English FA and even well Serie A. Let's be honest, the fact that they did that was a miracle. They're not going to do it now to Juventus because Juventus is their biggest draw. Even though Inter is going to win Serie A this year, um, but I could see them. I could see La Liga doing it to. Uh, Barcelona. All the leagues are going to be like, you tried to leave right. us. Fuck you. We're going to make you pay for that. It's basically. And what- I could see them doing it. And, you know, it could turn out to another year where like somebody like Leicester or like even like West Ham or like Everton or something just have such a good year that they, they end up winning the title or sneaking into the Champions Leagues. Yeah. So we're going to see how that whole situation uh, progresses. Yep. Um, just to wrap things up, uh, talking about you have, we didn't get your, uh, reaction to the draft eagles take Devonte smith if you haven't heard my reactions again go check out uh about a, an episode or a couple episodes ago Noah and i gave our reactions to the first round um and also some aaron Rodgers news came out uh again if you don't know aaron Rodgers, reigning mvp wants out of green bay pretty much because he feels betrayed by the organization and doesn't feel like they really care enough about him which like that is me very, very oversimplifying the problem. <laughs> um, and recent news has come out that uh, allegedly, allegedly, someone in Aaron Rodgers' camp, again, allegedly, who knows if this is accurate, that Rodgers wants Gutekunst, the GM uh, of the Packers, out or he doesn't come back. And retirement remains a a serious option 
moving forward if he decides not to come back and host Jeopardy, which wouldn't mind that. <laughs> um, but overall, I just my I have a longer reaction in the last episode, but in this latest news, the Packers just didn't do anything with Rodgers. This was the dynasty that was supposed to happen that didn't. And I understand Rodgers' frustration with the team. It feels like he doesn't have a voice at all. And I, when the Packers are clearly making poor decisions in drafting nine straight defensive players and then drafting Aaron Rodgers' successor, I would be pissed if I were him too. And I just think that the Packers are seriously going to regret this if they don't fix this situation and that Rodgers can do whatever the hell he wants because he's going to get a large check wherever he goes. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if he goes somewhere to be more competitive and have a larger voice in personnel decisions, but that's just my quick reaction. Timmy, uh, give us your take on the draft and this Aaron Rodgers situation. Uh, so real quick with the Eagles, um, I love the Devontae Smith pick, um, especially at number 10, Heisman Trophy winner, coming mm. off a year where he had – and what is – now, I'm not an SEC dude outside of Vanderbilt. Like, I, I hate how everyone's like, SEC, SEC. <laughs> Regardless, it is the best college football league in the nation. Yeah. 117 catches, what, like 1,300 yards or something like that. 1,300 like yards scores. had like almost like 30 touchdowns. It Touchdowns. Was- he he could get touchdowns in his sleep last year. And against competition, as we said, who mm-hmm. a that lead, the the conference had the most draft picks of any conference by a wide margin again this year, mm-hmm. and against you know cornerbacks and linebackers and secondaries that are a lot of them are are on pro teams now, and you know whether they were drafted or signed as an restricted free agent. I also I love the fact that all it took was a third rounder, and we jumped <laughs> yeah. over the, our two biggest division rivals. Even though the Giants eventually the, traded out of that slot anyway, right? But that the reason they traded out of it is because apparently there was a leak in the Giant. Not apparently, this is truth now that Gettleman and the Giants were way too forward about the fact that they loved Devontae Smith and they wanted him, and that was oh. going to be their pick. And there was a leak or something like they were already way too public about it. But then there was a uh-huh. leak that was like, yeah, we're taking him. Well, like we might move up for him. Yeah. The Eagles and everybody else in the league found out about this. Mm-hmm. And so they went to the Cowboys and were like, the Cowboys clearly need a defense because they already have 700 like legit receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they need, a, they need a line really too, but regardless. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that all we had to do was give up the third rounder that we basically just borrowed from the Colts and the Carson Wentz trade to get the Heisman Trophy winner to add, who also is good friends with our second-year QB that we don't know whether he can be a franchise QB or not. So I love it. I love it. Uh, and and uh, Hertz and, and Smith, Hertz was at the facility for uh, right. he, when he Smith there, came to Philly. Which is huge because – the reason Carson went, one of the many reasons Carson Wentz is no longer an Eagle has a lot to do with the relationships he didn't have with his yeah. teammates. Yeah. So the fact that hurts and every, everything that everyone has said on the defense or offensive side has been, we love Jalen, man. He's a baller. He comes first person in, last person to lead. Yes. He wants to be a leader on this team. We love him. We'll go to war from. Yes. You never once heard that about Carson Wentz. So the fact that he was there to greet him right away. So even if they didn't like each other, 
the fact just that he, just he put, being there, yeah, just being there says so much. And just being like, Second, hey, I'll show you around the city a little bit and kind of get exactly. you comfortable. Also, the fact that Devontae Smith tweet one of his first tweets was, "What the best cheek <laughs> in the city?" tells me all I need to know. This dude gets us as a city, gets yes. us as a fan base. He's a guy that's been underestimated love. for his entire career and knows that this is a city built on underdogs. We're gonna fucking ride. Let's ride, boys. Let's ride. Also, he looked fly as shit in the suit he was wearing. I'm not that gonna lie, it was so a dope ass suit. That was so um, oh, it was fire. Uh, I'm not gonna go through everyone. I just so the not the the second round pick. I was not happy with it at the time, for one main reason. That said, it's a first round talent who fell because of some injuries. Hopefully, he can stay healthy and maybe it'll be a great pick and he'll be our next Jason Kelsey, like an anchor on the line for ten to twelve years. Yeah. That happens great, but I could also see it backfire and he could be the next Danny Watkins. Um, the real mate, but the I, I'm willing to give it a chance. But the main reason I, I wasn't a fan of it is because I thought we needed help on the defense, and you had what many boards, what many people had ranked as the a top 15 player sitting there at pick 37 and Jeremiah Wusakoromoa. And you fucking took a lineman who's on two, who is on two restructured knees. I just don't uh, like that. There's talent, pure top ten talent sitting there, and JOK. And you don't take them when you need when you need to improve your defense. Now a lot of a lot of reports have come out and said that a lot of people the reason he fell was because even though he has undeniable talent, and let me tell you, he's a baller. The dude can tackle. He's an he's a sideline to sideline player. He can cover. He is phenomenal. He's a phenomenal athlete. He's a he, all around great player. He's highly intelligent. Instinctive is that he's a tweener. And apparently, a lot of organizations were scared on not knowing what to do with him and wasting his talent. He has talent. That's all that matters. Put him on the field in sub packages and hybrid packages. Move him around the formation. Do what you have to do. Make him a rover like Dawkins or like Tyrone Matthew. I, I just don't understand that thinking. Regardless, hopefully Dickens Dickerson, right? Is that his name? Dickerson. I don't know. I tuned out of the out of the first round. <laughs> hopefully he can pan out. I just hope that it yeah. doesn't that JOK doesn't turn out to be a fucking like seven-time Pro Bowler and, like, five-time first-team Fucking Mike NFL. Singletary just calling yeah. out plays at the line of scrimmage. Like, he's – yeah, like, he's not, like, Ray Lewis light. Not – he's not going to be Ray Lewis, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, he, like I said, like, Tyron Matthew or Buda Baker or one, or Ed Reed or something like that, mm-hmm. a player of that caliber. Yep. Um, Ed Reed is clearly better than the other two, way better, but those two are really good. That's um, a whole separate podcast episode. Right. Um, And then the last one I'll comment on is I really – uh. It was boring to me the pick of the time, but after looking up on it, the uh, the D lineman Milton Williams that we took from Louisiana Tech. Yeah, um, I'm not a big guy about oh the miserable said this, and you know because I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, <laughs> and we are the first fan base to be burned by a the, we were one of the first real fan, fan bases to see um, what it's like to be burned by a um, a pro day hero. Like yeah. the guy who goes and kills his pro day to get yeah. a good draft pick and he shouldn't have. And Mike Momoa, you know, he was, he's like the poster <laughs> child for being a pro day, like, you know, guru, like pro day uh, all-star. all-star or whatever. And then turned out to be a total buff. 
Um, so I'm never like, yes, I think they matter, but I don't get like blown away. That being said, um, I watched, I've watched some highlights. I like what I see. The dude's athletic and in the measurables category for those people that care. Um, there's a website out there that does like this, like chart that like, kind of like has like all the percentiles he's in. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. He literally is like, is the same percentage like total percentage as Aaron Donald. Jesus fucking Christ. And like, he's got like, he's like 99 out of a hundred in like the cone drills, the 40 yard dash, like his leap, his like yeah, side to side. This stuff. dude is only set up to fail by Eagles fans. Right. Expectations. Exactly. So, but that's, that's good. Like he's agile, he's quick and mm-hmm. he looks strong. The, the, the two biggest things that I've read is that apparently is that he's got shorter arms and he has trouble shedding blocks at times. But from the tapes I watched last night, he was being, he was engaged in blocks and one arm tackling some people. Granted, he played in conference USA, green assault, but he already the potentials has there to shed off guys. Right. And he's already come out and he doesn't think he's going to be a star from day one. His first thing he said was, I can't wait to learn from someone like Fletcher Cox. I think he'll be a great help to my career. Perfect. Perfect. That's all you need to say. All you need to hear. So that's all I'll say about the Eagles draft. The Aaron Rodgers situation. I understand what he's doing, why he's upset. You're an athlete. You know, you're allowed to do it. If If I had an issue at work or, you know, you have an issue at work, you go to your boss and you address it. My issue is the way he did it. This is clear that this isn't like out of the blue news. He clearly has felt this way for a very, 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 very long time. So to wait until five hours before the draft and submarine your team, your fans, your front office, and your teammates like that is a dickhead move in my opinion. And that's not quality leadership. And this is not the first time that Aaron Rodgers has done that. I understand the man is a three-time MVP. He's a Super Bowl champion. And I understand that the Packers have let him down time and time again when it comes to not getting help. You know, he's got Devontae Adams, and that's about it. Well, actually, he's got Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, too, and they're both studs. I get that he needs a little bit more help in the receiving core. I understand that. And the Jordan Love thing, as shitty as it was, uh, hey, hey there, Aaron, there's a reason you won the MVP. It's because you were pissed off. So I'm not saying you should thank them for that because it was stupid on their part. Regardless, to me, I just look at it and I think as a teammate, I'd be like, dude, I get it that you're pissed at the GM, but fuck you. What about me? What about the rest of us? You're just going to walk out on us because you don't like the GM because for one, one of the reasons is he let Jake Kumaro walk in free agency. And because he, he because he hasn't drafted a, a, a top ten wide receiver for you, like I, I just I, I understand the reasoning for being upset. I just don't agree with the way he did it, and the fact that this is not the first times that Aaron Rodgers has been a you know selfish prick who's put himself above his teammates, his organization, and the fan base in Green Bay. That you know do nothing but like pray at his feet and this is another guy too let's not forget he loves letting people know when he's been mistreated 
Who he like, and I get it. What Brett Favre did to him was bullshit. But then to sit there all this time later and still talk about how oh Brett Favre never gave me any help. Okay, so you know what you should do then? Even if you're pissed that the Packers taking Jordan Love, it's not Jordan Love's fault that the Packers took him. Go to Jordan it's, Love. That, that's where I think like I, 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 I get what you're saying here, but I just have to disagree because a. I, oh, I know I'm in the minority. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like a. I do not want to hear any comparisons of what people would do in their workspace. I know what you're saying from your perspective, what you would do at your work. It's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. But when I hear these other people, and this was mainly when the kneeling was really um, picking up steam and, and more players were doing it across games was people were saying like, Oh, if I did that at my work, I would be fired. Yeah, you're not a fucking NFL player. Like I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. What, you. When are you, you gonna kneel? <laughs> you, you wear. We all we're lo- we're all losers as sports fans. At the end of the day, we wear jerseys to pretend like we're on the field and like our opinions matter and like we're mm-hmm. part of the team. But in reality, we're wearing someone else's laundry that's just happened to be clean that we paid for with our money. We're exactly. Eating, we're eating food and pretending. It's adult pretend. That's what sports are. And that's we're great. playing make believe. Exactly. That's what we're doing. We're just we just went from cops and robbers to like, oh yeah, I I contributed by staying in the bathroom during that down. It's like no, no, like we just have to come to grips <laughs> with some of that. And it's it's like, and, and I've been a, I've been a sucker. I've been a sucker for that Super Bowl fifty um fifty two. I, I, my dad stayed in the bathroom when Corey Clement took that deep wheel route and took it to the, like the 10 yard line or whatever. Well, I've been, a, I've been a victim of that, but this is Aaron Rodgers. This guy has been on the one, number two to Tom Brady for best quarterback in the NFL for about over a decade. Now his reality is so much different from our realities. And to his credit, he has not, openly sabotage the Packers or been as open as he could be about his situation. And a part of that is, I think he made a great move in doing the Pat McAfee Tuesdays during the season when he would do weekly, um, weekly interviews with McAfee and AJ Hawk. (laughs) That was a great move because it was like, you see a different side of him because he's so quiet that these public perceptions can manifest and take hold. And he just put a stop to that. And he didn't come out and trash Jordan Love, which, again, you're, you're supposed to do as a teammate, in my opinion, is not openly trash the guy that they drafted. And he was he said that throughout the season was like, listen, I know Jordan Love. He doesn't he has no control over what the Packers do with their draft choice. He, he has no control over that. Right. But when it first happened, he came out and he was just like, well, it's not my job to mentor him. And it's like, dude, dude all you have ever done. When did, is when did he say that? Because I, I when, did not hear that. Right, right when they first, not those exact words, but he was basically like, it was like, he was basically like, uh, like, okay, he can figure it out his own or something. Like he essentially came out and said, like, he's not going to sit there and like teach him. And it's like, but dude, all you ever have done is bitch about how Brett Favre did that to you. So why wouldn't you turn around and just be like, listen, I'm pissed at the Packers. But, hey, man, like, yeah, on this play, what would you see? Like, I'm not saying spend every waking moment with them, but, like, I don't know. I, I guess I just look at it like I would, I would, you know, like, I guess we can all say we would do it differently, and I would like to think I would handle it a little differently. Like, no, I'm not saying, like, like he's the worst person ever and he's done, like, 
terrible things, but like, let's be honest. Now Mike McCarthy needed to go, yeah. but it's not like he was innocent and in getting Mike, like and Mike McCarthy getting fired. Like, his he hands, played yeah, a role you're, you're saying his hands weren't completely like clean in that. And... Yeah. He, yeah. So like, no, it's not like I'm saying like, I, like I said, I understand what he's doing and I yeah. get that I'm in the minority. Yeah. To me though, he, he just kind of looks like a little kid with the way he did it. Like I get, if you want to come out and say that, but like, I don't know. As if I'm his teammate, I'm texting him, being like, "Yo, fuck you!" Like, what about us? And that's what—that's my—that's where it bugs me that I think he like. How can you be his teammate now and just be like, "I get you're mad at the organization, but you basically just said I went out and I don't care about the other fifty-one guys now or fifty-two guys in that locker room." See, but like, isn't there something to be said for being a guy that for the last decade? And 2010 was when they won the Super Bowl. For the last decade, it's just been draft pick after draft pick of no wide receivers, no I, weapons. No, yeah, I that, understand that, that, that. That's what I'm saying. Of first round picks, that's like it's Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, and Jordy Nelson were the last like solid triplet well, of wasn't, receivers. Wasn't Devonte Adams uh, a first round pick or no? What was he? Like no. a second or third? No, they they haven't taken a first round uh, skill position since Aaron Rodgers was a like an offensive skill position since Aaron, they drafted Aaron Rodgers. Like that's how long it's okay. been in the first no, round. I, mean, I, I understand that, but to me, the, what I, I understand what, how that perception can be like how you take it. But for me, this is a guy that's just frustrated and it's compounding. And it's like, it's like you're, you're dating someone and you're constantly just getting an argument after argument after argument. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's just, you try and move on every single time and you're like, all right, things are going to get better. But then you just get into another fight for some bullshit reason. And you're just saying to yourself, I just want to get the fuck out of this at this point. Like, I don't care if we break up. And I think that's where the point he's at is like, listen, this is just, I'm too frustrated. Just trade me. Let me go. Let me walk. Let me do the things that I want to do. I want to host Jeopardy. I want to do my own thing. Maybe he gets into the media at some point. Maybe who knows, but I think I think he's just the the frustration if the frustration is so compounded that he can only that he's just like at it and I think the teammates are just at a point where they're like listen dude go go do what you got to do if you're here with us great but if not then we'll just keep keep on rolling and keep on going See I don't know if that's the truth though because I I I I would I would like to know what the teammates think I just you know like I get it but also at the same time, like, just because if they're not, like, I get that they, they should have taken, like, a, a stud wide receiver at some point here in the last 15 years in the yeah. first round. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, okay, on the flip side, you can say they've never done that, but Jordy Nelson turned into a stud. Devontae Adams turned into an absolute stud. Yeah, Jamal that's a Williams, fair Yes, absolutely. Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, all these guys. Have, Eddie Lacy was a first-round pick. Wasn't was he was hmm. wasn't he? I just thought about it. no. And there's the there's the counter. Same thing is that they used it and it anyways uh, sucked. Hold on, um, he 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 might have been a second rounder. I might yeah, be he was there. drafted in the second round. Okay, still that's what I'm saying is. But I, I, I do I agree uh, yeah. with the non first round, but yeah, yeah. They, so but they should still be doing it. They still should try, but also if you're getting them in the second and third, those guys can be just as valuable as the first rounders. So 
end, there's the proof in the pudding there. So I get it. And I do think that they still have, they, they, they have really let him down mm. when it comes to like, he hasn't had a stud tight end in how long, you know, like big Bob Tunyon. Yeah, exactly. So I love just like, Bob Tunyon. Did you see the bus and what the boys episode with him and George Kittle? No. Fucking hilarious. Highly recommend. Oh, I can imagine he's, he's funny. So I understand the frustration and I understand that the front office has definitely dropped the ball here. Yeah. I said, I think but, I'm saying, I think for my, what, what upsets me about the way he did it is the timing and the fact that as a teammate, I feel like you're not only saying, fuck you, the, the front office, you're saying, well, fuck my teammates too, because I don't care. I'm out on them. Mm-hmm. That's the way I would perceive it. Yeah. No, he, I, I could I, be wrong. He could have talked to all his teammates. He could talk to those. He could have talked to all his teammates and then the guys that count and then like, Hey guys, I'm just letting you know this is what's going on. Yeah, we're gonna leak this to Adam Schefter. So yeah, that's just that's just where I stand. No, I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I think we covered everything for the most part. Oh, let me get my. Uh, oh, you my, got. Oh yeah, my, you got your, two, you got my your three minutes. Your Stephen here. A. Take. Let's go. You drink your water. <sighs> it's icy, actually. Get the whatever. Get the vocals warmed up. <laughs> how now brown cow how now brown cow unique new york unique new york um so <laughs> i don't so i was listening to uh the ringer nfl show with kelly and heifetz the other day and i like them and it's not them particularly this is just in general the mock draft thing i understand the mock drafts you they're did them it's an it, it is mel kuyper has started it and it's become this thing where every website has five guys that do it and this and that and blah 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 it's not about the fact that they're done that's fine what kind of yesterday for some reason just it just you know like as peter griffin would say grinds my gears <laughs> is that i was thinking about it and just like oh well these guys had a bad draft because in my mock they took the number 72nd player with the 50 t- 55th pick and not just overreaching. And it's just like, okay, well, how about this thought? Your mock draft doesn't mean two shits to the guys in that fucking front office. Because if it did, you wouldn't be doing fucking mock drafts for goddamn CBS Sports Network. You'd be the one making the picks for the Colts or the Packers or the Eagles or the Browns. So here, and it's it, this, it's just this, this general it's like accepted thought now that it's just like, oh, well, that's a bad draft because on all the mocks, it said this. Who gives a shit where Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay? And I don't want to sound like that guy that was the Colts GM from like back in the 90s, that clip. Who the like, hell who, is Mel Kuyper anyway? Who the hell is Mel Kuyper anyway? Like, well, he's drinking his like water. But at the same point, it's just like, who really, who are they? Like, and it's just like so, someone was giving um, who is uh, Mayock shit because he was just like uh, he was he they because of the the one player they took or whatever and he's just like oh well all you guys out there mocking is saying it's a bad pick and someone was like oh I'm sorry Mike Mayock weren't you somebody that used to do mock drafts beforehand yeah 
beforehand and you know what he is now he's a fucking gm you know what that means he's upgraded in life he's no longer some pencil pushing nerd that never touched the pigskin in his life sitting here on his computer because he can't get laid watching seven thousand hours of film because he has nothing else better to do with his life and being like i think this guy even though he had production should be number 27 on my board oh and you took him with a 26 pick terrible terrible how do you have a job I just don't get it. Like, and people live and die off this shit. And I know someone could be like, oh, you're a hypocrite because you just talked about measurables with Milton Williams. Yes, I did. But I'm not sitting there and being like, well, that's the reason it's a good pick. I'm sitting and be like, oh, that's interesting. He has measurables that compare to Aaron Donald. Maybe this could turn out to be a good thing, but we'll see when he gets on the field and plays. I'm saying there's potential there. I just don't understand how people think that mock drafts are like the word of God now. Mm-hmm. it's bullshit because you, I'll, t- cool, I'll tell you, you why. get a mock draft i don't give a shit and that's what you want to go off of yeah but don't say just because they picked picks that didn't line up with where your mock draft went that it's that's what makes it a good and bad draft it should be a good and bad draft because they took the players that fit their needs players that you think can make it in the nfl and fit the team's pedigree and the culture that you're trying to establish within your organization mm-hmm. not because Oh, he was at number 19 and you took him. Di- like, I just, it's stupid. It's a fun little drill. And somehow Mel Kuyper's conned ESPN into a 50-year career in it. And that's good for him. But if Mel Kuyper actually knew what he was fucking talking about, don't you think he would have been given a GM job by now? Right? Yeah. I mean, Will there's McShay? there's Will that, there's that argument to be made. I think it's just, the power of the internet in general has given people the false assumption that their voice really fucking matters. That's why you see, yes. it's like we, you talked about the, the social justice warriors. It's like, they want to, they think that their voice matters so much. And listen, I'm going to be straight up. When I see people posting shit on social media, like I, I understand what you're trying to do, but most uh, 10 times out of 10, I don't give a shit. I just keep on scrolling. I can't look at right. Facebook anymore. Facebook is just for families to argue with each other now. Uh, I deleted uh, Facebook and, like six years ago. <laughs> as you probably I, should have. I saw Pat's Facebook one time. Fucking hilarious. It was like from like 2014. It was like last well, post. I deleted it because a certain X was start was being petty and starting shit. And I was like, I'm just oh, done yeah. with this. Yeah. But like, like getting rid of it. But yeah, that's a, that's a prime example. That's all. That's all social media is. And it I is. know I say this very contradictory considering that I use social media to spread the podcast, but it's like there are times where I'm just like, you're not stop pretending. It's like the Bill Burr bit about like white women complaining about how hard they have their lives. It's like, really? <laughs> Is it that difficult? Is it really that hard? Or, or like, him when he uh, talks about uh, stay at home moms. Yeah. It's the, uh, at Oprah. Oh, and Oprah says it's the hardest job you could have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's like really like at the end of the day, my opinion, our opinions on this show don't mean shit. Um, like, yeah, we're doing it for fun, but we're and we're not saying because what we thought that the Eagles didn't agree with that we're sitting here being like, this was a terrible draft. How could you not? Yeah. Did you hear what I said? According to minutes, according to my model, but yeah. Kuiper, Kuiper at this point is a character beyond himself, beyond him. Like he's just a guy that people love for entertainment perspective. Like. Listen, I love this guy. Really love this tape. Really showed some values and some oh, intangible. I hate when he says really that. 
oh, I love this tape. And if you if you're sitting here in five years, I'm telling <laughs> you right now, we're looking at a guy who's going to have a bunch of Pro Bowls to his name. You write that down. And here's the best part too. They want to live off these mock drafts, Matt. And here's the thing that probably really gets me even mad is that every year it's like the previous years never existed. It's all they do. It's, oh, and this guy's going to be great. And this guy's going to be great. Mm. He, and this is where I mocked him. And I mocked him here and I mocked him there. Okay. Well, how come you want to sit there and lambast the, these front offices? They got a pick wrong. How come you never go out there and say, oh, well, you know what? That guy that failed, I actually was wrong too because I, I mocked him as the number six overall draft pick. Mm-hmm. But yeah. no, you never hear that. You never hear these freaking nerds do that shit. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, and, and and I've never heard Mel Kuyper say that. These these That's why I like McShay better because I think McShay actually kind of knows what he's talking about. So I get the point. I'm not saying mock drafts should be getting rid of. I get it. I'll read mock drafts just to see mm. what people think. But I don't think that that should be the end all be all that because someone made this mock draft. That's how everything should go. Yeah, yeah. And that's what gets lost. A fun that's exercise. What, that's what gets lost in the shuffle is players aren't variables. They're not data they're human beings they these are human beings making that decision and And it all depends on where you go too you could you like it's like i'm saying with the jeremiah was a cormella pick people were afraid to take him even though they know he has talent because they don't know how to use him and that's Mm. what could be his downfall even though he's super intelligent kid and super athletic and has the skill what do the browns screw him up yeah and with Devontae smith coming to philly the heisman trophy winner most of the time doesn't slip past five but team fit, team fit, team needs mm-hmm. dictated that he just la- he landed at the spot that he landed at. And that's just an example. And like Penny Sewell to Detroit, again, teams just had great different pick. preferences. And Great luck, yeah. And it's, again, these are humans. And it's like, listen, we're all just a bunch. If there's any takeaway from this episode, we're all just a bunch of adults playing pretend at the adult level. Mm-hmm. That's all we're doing. <laughs> Exactly. But like you said, it's, 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 we're humans. And it's just like, this is the same, that's the same thing is that they're sitting here being like, well, I, I can't believe they reach for that pick and they reach for that pick. But then the, some of these guys will turn out to be on the opposite. There's the boss that they never yeah. admit to being wrong about. What about the guys that they say never had a chance to turn out to be studs? Yeah. You know, like, like Julian um, Edelman. Exactly. You know, somebody like that or, you know. Shannon Sharp, um, seventh round pick out of Savannah State. It's a stud. And he was taken because his brother and he ended up now granted because of an injury. But like, or somebody like, I know he's, this could be a bad example because he's kind of a piece of shit. But Vontez Perfect, no one wanted him. Mm-hmm. And then he was an undrafted free agent that was a, was a freaking stud linebacker, all, all pro linebacker for like five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's stuff like that. And I just, it's, it's stuff just, that can't be measured. And it's like, you can't, you can't treat this like it's the, a fucking data set that you can they're project. More, they're more, they're more, they are wrong more than they are right. Yet somehow they, they want power. you to, they want, they want you to think that their, their opinion is some dumbass mock draft <laughs> is, is, is gospel. And that is what really, but as you said, and that is, we're all that humans is this, and we're inevitably we're wrong. And that is the clip of the day. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, really appreciate you all listening to our stupid voices because, like we said, <laughs> we're all adult pretend and really our opinions don't matter. So, thank you all for tuning in from Timmy and myself. Uh, thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Be sure to follow us on our, all of our social media platforms. Uh, check out the website, www.bnbpodpod.org. Uh, again, that's letters B-N-B, podpod.org. And uh, we'll catch you all in the last episode. So thank you again, and I uh, really appreciate it.